been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen, he doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Do you feel that you weren't quite annoying enough without adding a delusional sense of grandeur? Because I promise you, you are annoying enough. In fact, you're the number one contender for the middleweight annoyance crown. Hey, Bill. Glad to be here, Craig. <laughs> I'm Bill Swirla. <laughs> Craig Dodofrio. This is a world famous God Whisperers and, of course, uh, soon to be the worldwide God Whisperers. International, uh, global, the global God Whisperers. Yeah, we're, we're going global. GW goes missional. <laughs> well, <laughs> global. I'm not sure how missional, though. We're going to go global. We have a guest, don't we? I, I We do. Pastor Ted Geese from Regina, Saskatchewan, Regina, Canada. Regina, Regina. That's Regina. I, yeah. I know. I know that that causes us to balk just a little bit. You know, we uh, we we uh, Americans get just a little nervous about that. But I'm I'm told, and I don't think I don't think the Canadians would be yanking our chain on this one that they actually say Regina. Now we I, do. Yeah, I can remember that it's Mount Olive Lutheran Church because I once served at Mount Olive Lutheran Church, so I don't even have to look that up. Oh, very yeah, good. yeah. Well, Ted, why is it Regina, Regina instead of Regina? Isn't the they're the Canadian Latin properly Regina? No, uh, I don't think so. I think it's Regina, Regina and Rex. Hey, so King and Queen. Yeah. So Regina is for Queen. And, so I've, and as I've I understand been, it, they 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 couldn't use Victoria. That was already taken. Yes, already taken. So this is a way to name the city after Queen Victoria without calling it Victoria. It's just kind of like Her Majesty or something, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. all right. That's cool. That's Do you have cool. a large cross-dressing community there? <laughs> That's a nice uh, town. That's a nice town, by the way. That's a, a very smaller, nice it's town. It's a smaller town, but it is nice, yes. Yeah. Sorry, so, I, I couldn't Not, not very many people, so probably not as many as you'd think. And I, and I discovered when I was up there, much to my amazement, sheer amazement, that that Saskatchewan in general, it's not a hockey province, is it? No, it's a uh, Canadian Football League province. Go figure! Just uh, that—that wow. that to me is amazing. So, because there's no, there's no, uh, there's no NHL team in Saskatchewan. Am I right? Not a one. Right. Yeah, they kind of skip over that province when they, when they do the Canadian <laughs> swing. I always notice that they play in Calgary and Edmonton, and then they're uh, on the west coast. They're in Vancouver, and then Montreal and Toronto. And like, Wait a minute! <laughs> and Manitoba has theirs now too. They've got the Winnipeg Jets. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. So they they had it. It went away. It came back. So, but they're very expensive. The NHL uh, franchises. Any any so. pro any pro franchise is is a drain on on civic resources, <laughs> as, as yeah. LA is about to find out with the NFL coming back. But uh, uh, now, now Canadian football that's a lot like the Australian rules football that makes no sense whatsoever. Is that right? No, it looks like American <laughs> football. I know, Pre- pretty much, yeah. Actually, at one point in my life, I was trying to get in good enough shape just to get a tryout with a Canadian football oh, team. Oh, please. Uh, I didn't even, I, I had no aspirations of actually making it. I just wanted to be able to say that I got a tryout. And I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say that I never achieved that kind of fitness. Didn't they, didn't they retrieve Kurt Warner from the Canadian Football League? <clears throat> I, I think Kurt Warner, I don't, I don't think he came arena. The, the, there are like two places that we tuck players 
uh, from the NFL. One's up in the Canadian Football League. The other's in the Arena. Fo- I don't know if the Arena Football League is still around, but but uh, Arena Football was a great place to tuck players that you don't have room for on the roster. Oh, yeah. There's a little bit of traffic both ways, eh? So sometimes there's people from the CFL that come down to the NFL and vice versa. Now, it's a, it's a bigger field, isn't it? I believe so. You know, I don't really or fewer guys. Heavens, uh, I don't. I don't watch any NFL, so I don't really know. That's because you're watching movies all the time, right? Mostly, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Man, I was over at Ted's house, and Ted has more DVDs just laying around. DVDs and books. That's all there, and some art stuff. But but that kind of that's, defines that defines Ted's house, and then there's beer. <laughs> yes, yeah. But, so you know that's, that's pretty much it. That's those are a few of his favorite things: movies, uh, art stuff, uh, books, and beer. That's pretty well rounded life, Ted. I got to admit. I mean, that, that's 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 a that's a modern day Renaissance man right there. Yeah, we enjoy ourselves. I enjoy myself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Craig, how's um, how's fundraising for uh, for Eurasia going? We're doing pretty well. Uh, it's slow going, but you know we're just on the front end of things. Uh, I've been out preaching and speaking at places. Seem to be well received, and uh, I'll be heading back over to Prague in February for a few days. Prague. And then, yeah, then uh, we're going to hit the Christhold Fast Conference, and after that, I'll be preaching at a church in Orlando. Someone's got to suffer in Orlando. I figure I'm I'm the man. Orlando. All right. Here am I. Send me. That's in Florida, right? Yeah. Then we're going to try to tuck in a couple of days of Disney there, also, which I know you just love. Oh, I despise Disney with a a passion, (laughs) unrivaled passion. I know. I don't understand you. You, I have have heard. Joie de vivre. I I have heard uh, that Disney World in Florida is vastly superior to Disneyland in California. Actually, I hear the opposite from a lot of people. Really? But, but I, I okay. need to find out for myself. I don't know. T- time to do some market research. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, Ted, why do we have you here today? What, what, what in the world are you here for? Well, we're, we're going to look at, uh, we're going to kind of talk about a movie. So we're going to talk about a movie called The Princess Bride oh. from 1987. So going back a ways, it's a classic. It's become Absolutely. a classic, and and uh, the only beef that my wife has with the movie, I told you about this, is the synthesized music through the whole thing. And then Ted, you you told me who did the soundtrack, and I was I was surprised who did the soundtrack. It's Mark Knopfler, and and you know no a kidding, very, absolutely. Yeah. And it's his actually it's his guitar work that you hear no, through most of the soundtrack. Mark, it's actually very beautiful. Wow, there well, there's a piece of streets guy. There is a piece of, of excellent trivia. I, I'm I'm looking at the IMDb thing to 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 I, I'm I'm fact checking Ted as we speak. Here. <laughs> <laughs> that's really uh, that's really amazing uh, for me. I Mandy Mandy Patinkin. I've always loved Mandy Patinkin. I mean he he had a great ca- a great character on the TV show Chicago Hope. Right, and he's a really good stage actor. Apparently, uh, that that he he makes the rounds in stage. But but he is he's just a great actor, and this is a young Mandy Patinkin. He plays Inigo Montoya, and uh, it, it's just just a great character. 
And Robin Wright's pretty easy to look at, too, so it's all good. Not, not hard on the eyes. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Ted, why, why did you throw this movie at us? Well, um, I pay attention. I listen carefully. And I heard that this is one that Bill uh, really liked. No, it's one of the seen. ten movies I've seen. That that's that's well, that the, that has to count. I don't something, doesn't it? I just I don't watch. But yeah, you know the problem with movies is that they're about what a couple hours long or so. And at the end of the movie, and and well, there's two problems. One, if I watch it at home, fifteen minutes, I'm asleep. I, I always fall asleep. <laughs> everything. And secondly, is I if I don't fall asleep, I, I have this feeling of having like wasted a big chunk of my life. I, I really do. I got sucked into something that's not real. And so, so I, I just have a, I have a real problem with that. It's, it's why I don't read you, you, fiction. You I don't read fiction it. for the same reason. You'll enjoy it more if you look at it as a piece of art. Yeah, you are in. You're engaging with uh, the sublime, right? No, I or did. the lud- ludicrous, or <laughs> or or whatever, whatever the premise of the movie. Is, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And there's uh, just a wealth of individuals that all go behind making a movie in the first place. So you get to see their fingerprints all over it. and it's kind of I do not mean to pry, but you don't by any chance happen to have six fingers on your right hand. <laughs> it's just he's a great character that that and, and anything Billy Crystal does is just is just oodles of fun. Oh, yeah. He's great. Miracle Max. Miracle, Miracle Max. Max. Yeah. Love but Miracle Max. It says music by Mark Knopfler. Oh, now I'm going to have to go watch it again. <laughs> and just, for the second time. No, for like the 12th time. And 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 listen, now i got to listen to the music. Oh, this is good. You know, I know somebody who does film scoring. Um, he used to go to my congregation. He moved back to the Midwest now. But, but um, he... He he does film, and this is an art in itself. Um, uh, he he scores mostly sort of documentary documentary and short films right now, but he's he's trying to establish himself in the industry. But um, he's it's it's kind of fat. his name's Luke Weeding. He's uh, Ken Weeding's um, one of Ken Weeding's sons, and uh, does great stuff. But but uh, you know it's a it's a subtle art because if you notice the music, then you failed at some level. Isn't that interesting? And then if you see video clips, there's some really great ones on YouTube of Star Wars without any music or anything. Yeah. And especially that that uh, culminating scene at the end of the first movie where they're receiving awards and stuff like that. And with no sound except, you know, just just the natural sound of the set. And it's just so weird. Yeah. What it's is utterly it? bizarre. You know, th- this isn't how, well, maybe for some people it is, you know, you walk around and you hear music, you have like a soundtrack going. I do. do I you do. You, do. you have yes. a soundtrack. No, yeah, I, oh yeah. Yeah. I hear voices, but I don't hear music. Um, <laughs> but, but, but you, you go, to, you, you don't notice it, but when it's absent, you really notice it. It's like, man, there's something wrong with this movie. There's no music. Well, yeah. that can be done for effect. Yeah, I know, but all of a sudden, all like a, in a horror film where all of a sudden it goes silent. Oh, you know something bad is going to happen at that point. <laughs> yeah, the you, jump scare is right around the corner. You know what was a, a good example of this was, uh, um, oh gosh, it was a Kevin Costner movie, not not the White Earp one, but uh, another one where he's he's uh, cowboy and uh, Ted, help me out here. Uh, there's uh, a big shootout scene and and it blazing saddles. 
<laughs> no, but there no. isn't all the all the music and everything behind the shootout scene, and you actually get this sense of anxiety, uh, much like if you were actually in in the shootout, because it's just people running like crazy, panting, missing at close range, which is what you would imagine, you know, with the adrenaline pumping and all the rest. But without any music, it's just really, really stark and uh, and and effective. Ah, oh, shoot! I wish I could think of the name of that movie. Um, it's not Dances with Wolves, is it? No. Like <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> no, I'll IMDb it here. Let's see. Costner. If I IMDb Kevin Costner, will that automatically put a virus on my computer? Yeah, pretty much. It might. Pretty much. It's, I think it's called the Waterworld virus. Yeah. <laughs> did you see that movie, Ted? Of course I did. Waterworld? Yeah. It's actually not as bad as it... I think that that was a case where... Uh, like you know papers like variety and all of these kind of like uh, hollywood insiders were really expecting something huge right and it was perfectly serviceable as a movie um i mean it is it is reviled by a lot of people but if you just look at it objectively it's fine it's probably in range it's it's probably reviled it's it's reviled on political probably for political reasons i would imagine the the anti anti global warming people it's it's old fashioned Mad Max on the water. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so in, the open range is that o- the movie? Open you're range. About? Robert Duvall's in it also, uh, and uh, in in my opinion, one of the few Costner movies really worth seeing. But uh, the shootout, especially, is is really kind of kind of amazing because there's not all this background stuff going on. It's it's just the the panic of. Uh, you know, of what it would be like, I think, if you were involved in a situation like that. I, I really don't think if I ever get into a shootout that uh, there's going to be an orchestra present. I'm not sure. <laughs> if there is, you lost. <laughs> the, uh, uh, Ted, before we get into the theology of the Princess Bride, which is, I assume that's why what you're going to talk about is that, that, that there's some theology to this. Um, although, you know, Whenever there's Andre the Giant, you know it's 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 fine with me. I'm 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 on board. I'm on board with that. But um, the current movies that are out, what what's a what what would be a good one to see? What would be a good one to see yeah, right now? Yeah, if I uh, if, if, if I want to add a movie for 2016 to my repertoire, what what should I see? Everybody hmm, tells me the well, Revenant. I, I I should see the Revenant. I want to see what that. I, what I'm going to recommend for you uh-huh. is to read the book. And and if reading the book can't be fit into your schedule, get the audiobook to listen to in the car as you drive around. What, The Revenant? Doing things. Yes. That, yeah. There's a book behind that? There was a book that it is uh, based in part on. Ah, and that's okay. the way it says in the in the uh, at the end of the film when the credits roll up, it says based in part. That means don't it's, don't it's, hold it's, us to this. Yeah, based in a very small part. We don't want you but, whining yeah. about how the book is better or something like that. You know. But it is. It is. It is like uh, incredibly better. One of the things that I think hmm. is better in the book is that the uh, Aboriginal people, so the the indigenous Americans that are in the book, are more uh, more like real people. That's because they're and, in your imagination. Well, and in the movie, there's like two ditches for for these kinds of characters in films. One is to kind of go the very two-dimensional old Hollywood. Cowboys and Indians. Cowboys and Indians kind of way. The other way is to kind of go like the mystical route where you're putting them up on a kind of a pedestal. They're on a higher spiritual plane. Yeah, and there's a little bit of that going on, Mm. like a fair amount of that going on in in the way that this uh, 
movie The Revenant uh, handles it. But the the actual book, it's it's much more middle of the road, much more uh, you know, just a better representation. That's, I thought that's a that's a cool that's an interesting observation. We we don't quite know what to do with with Native Americans in film, do we? Well, it you doesn't. Know, uh, yeah. They're much more noble. Well, Dances with Wolves was that was that was that was that was almost all Native American stuff. Oh, wasn't yeah. It? Uh, yeah, so, I, yeah. Custer, Custer can't do accents, can he? Uh, unlike other Robin Hoods, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a line by uh, every every uh, character Carrie that Elvis. every character he plays sounds like Kevin Costner. It's true. You know, you you don't even have to know the movie. You could be blindfolded. You watch this Kevin Costner movie right there. It's like John Wayne. Yeah, well, yeah, but but you expect that. When I go to a John Wayne movie, I want to see a John Wayne movie. But uh, Yeah, just, just uh, dial back your expectations. When you go to a Kevin Costner movie, just expect a Kevin Costner movie. Unlike, say, Meryl Streep. That's right. Very versatile. Whom you're not always sure it's a Meryl Streep movie until you read the credits. That was Meryl Streep. All right. All right. Inconceivable! Oh, I like that. Hey, uh, by the way, Paula has been binge-watching Mozart in the Jungle, which is an interesting interesting program uh, based on, I think, the New York Philharmonic. Don't hold me to that. Uh, but it's set out of out of uh, New York, and and the the guy who plays the Sicilian in Princess Bride is in it. He's a world class pianist, and uh, his character is great. But uh, anyway, Mozart in the Jungle—it's actually a pretty fun show to watch. Is he playing a world-class pianist, or is he a world-class? He is playing one. I don't okay. know if he happens to be one, also, but I he, doubt it. He is very famous for two other movies. What one is uh, My Dinner with Andre. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he, I know that one. He's the main guy in that. One uh-huh. of the guys, and then the other one is uh, the Toy Story series. He plays Rex. The the uh the Triceratops Rex the voice. Are you are you, you good at what? picking out voices? Can you can you if you go if you watch one of these animation things? Can you do you immediately identify the voice? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at that. My wife has an uncanny sense of that. She does so much work on the phone that that she has this incredible voice recognition ability. So when when like celebrities do voiceover commercials. She'll just sit there. Yeah. She goes, "You know who that is, don't you?" I said, "No, I don't know who that is." And, and, and she'll just name somebody, and and you don't see them, but she just she hears the voice. She immediately goes for it. So when she watches these movies like Toy Story or any any of the the voiced over uh, animation that uses celebrities, uh, she goes, "You know who that is, don't you?" And so I, I always pick I, out the Kelsey Grammer commercials, but I think he does about half of all the commercials on television. Yeah, he's got a good voiceover. Yeah, he does. Pat Patrick Stewart used to do a lot of them too. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. what's what? How do you get theology in with and under the Princess Bride? Well, as you're watching something like that, you just kind of watch for thematic things, yeah. and you see where that might intersect with what you know of from theology as it's found uh, presented to you in Scripture. So there are some interesting things that kind of uh, crop up. Also, just other general themes. So if a movie has a theme of revenge in it, like this one does, uh, then, you know, you go, well, what, what does the Bible say about revenge? How does that square up with this? Uh, so that's uh, one of those things. You can kind of bring your confession of faith to that. So even just the catechism, just looking at it and saying, well, um, 
what do we look at when we look at it in terms of like, I don't know, the fourth commandment, you know, uh, how does that work out when you're watching this movie where you have one prince who is uh, plotting uh, a nefarious scheme against the neighboring uh, country of, of Gilder, right? So there's interesting things where you can just kind of interact with the movie you're watching by bringing what you know from scripture and from the confessions into it. So, for instance, what like when you're watching this movie, one of the things it's called the Princess Bride. So, as soon as like there's this idea of a bride involved in it, then then there's maybe some interesting areas and avenues uh, that you can look at in terms of theology. Yeah, there, there are some other things as you look through the movie. You know, uh, uh, when they go to Miracle Max and they want a miracle. Uh, you know that that brings up the whole question of miracles in the Bible and and how the people wanted miracles and how they actually got miracles and that sort of thing. You know, th- there are just a lot of different angles that you could approach us from. So one thing we could do is uh, like, listen, I realize there may be some people out there who have never seen The Princess Bride. Shock of all shocks, but essentially what it is is a uh, a movie that's based originally on a novel written by this William uh, Goldman who wrote it for his daughter. And the central theme in it is true love. And then you get like the B plot of revenge. And it's kind of satirical, but it's also endearing. And it's about a, uh, a, a woman on the countryside uh, who lives in this farm. And she realizes that she's actually falling in love with the farmhand and, uh, and that he loves her. But then uh, fate, quote unquote, steps in. Uh, he has to leave. Uh, she presumes him to be dead. She ends up being the fiance of the prince, uh, and but he's got some ulterior motives in this, and the the rest of the story kind of unfolds. But basically, he's not actually dead. The the farmhand that went away, uh, and he is seeking to get her back for himself. That's the general story, and all sorts of interesting things happen along the way. Lots of comedy uh, as well. It's really kind of Operating as a genre film, it's kind of sword and sorcery kind of stuff in a way. But just like this is Spinal Tap, which is also made by uh, Rob Reiner, uh, that's like a mockumentary. So it's like the documentary style, but then on top of that you get uh, the, the comedy, right? So this is like the fantasy style, and then on top of that, the comedy. So these things are kind of operating together. Is this, is this is before this... or after uh, Reiner's spinal tap? This is after. So, okay. Uh, so, so, so he kind of, he's kind of uh, carrying on that mockumentary theme a little bit. Yeah. He's an interesting director. Cause like it, at that time in the eighties uh, and into the nineties, you get, this is spinal tap from 1984. Then you get stand by me. 1986, then The Prince of Bride in 1987, then When Harry Met Sally, 1989, and Misery in 1990, A Few Good Men in 1992, and then you can kind of jump ahead. He also did The Bucket List in 2007 that a lot of people would know. That's a pretty good run. And a real variety of things, you know, like uh, romantic comedies uh, and horror films, like, you know, Stand By Me and... uh, and misery are like have they're both Stephen King stories that are made into films. So he's come a long way since being meathead on All in the Family. Yeah, yeah. 
which was a good character too. Thing I remember about Princess Bride is the Dread Pirate Roberts is is not a person but an office. <laughs> you know, there's a number of people who have occupied that office. Yeah, nobody would be afraid of the Dread Pirate Wesley. Right, that's the name of the yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the name of the farmhand, right? So the other thing uh, I got even make a joke about that. The other thing I got a big kick out of was the machine that sucked the life out of you. Yes. Oh, you know yeah. they strap in. I, I kind of equate that with life in the parish, pretty much. You know, it's it's like it's a machine <laughs> that sucks. It just sucks the life right out of you. You know, like, like most jobs, actually. We've just taken one year of your life away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the, that's what the count says to him. <laughs> you still have that cough? I do. It, I'm, I I I I know from people who've experienced this that it, it this is a um a ten to fifteen day rhinovirus. So um I'm I'm approximately in I'm about into day eight eight or nine now. So I got a few I got a little bit little time to go yet. I'm coming down with something. I hope that's not it. Never but, stop uh, working out though. I I I'll, <clears throat> I'll have you know. I I did probably take a week off of work, but didn't stop exercising. This would be a terrible time for me to start. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what that's what they all say. <laughs> now, anyway, back, this, this, back to the movie here. When, when we're doing this kind of theology of the movies, uh, Ted, uh, th- this is really a form of uh, theology by analogy, right? Where, where the, you know, nobody's intent intentionally doing theology when they're making a movie like this, but because they're using common themes that they're common to our humanity, they're common to the human story and history and all that stuff. Um, you can, you can find all sorts, like even just the simple analogy of the dread pirate Roberts is, is a good, um, illustration of how office works. You know, the person may change, but the office remains. And so it just kind of continues with a cast of characters in it or something like the office yeah, he, of the ministry or the office of the president or something like that. He even has his vicarage experience, this Wesley. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you but, know, every night, this is what Wesley says, every night, you know, the uh, dread pirate Roberts would say to him, you know, well, I've never had a valet. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. <laughs> that's what a but, summer vicarage was like with Swirla. Well, yeah, no, that's but that's what vicar, vicarage vicarage is is principally, I believe, intended to um, to basically exercise obedience and and servanthood. Yeah, you basically, just you know, if 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 your supervisor says wax the car, you wax the car. That's that's that's, Fail! that's right. Fail! Fail! <laughs> Now is the is, ancient the ancient boomer? Is, yes. is this kind of a this this is really sort of a, a then a kind of a natural theology, right? Yeah, you know, in in the world of criticism, generally this kind of fits into the area of uh, reader response criticism. Oh, one of my fa- one of my favorites. One of my, yeah, I, I, I mean, like now this is this is something that people get a little uh, you know itchy about when Good. it comes to just yes. picking up scripture and reading it, right? But this is not scripture. This is uh, popular culture, right? So you're taking your confession of faith, and you you are you, and you're reading that into whatever you're looking at. Uh, and you are uh, free to do that, like when it comes to uh, the, the things like uh, movies and art and radio and music and w- whatever, right? So that that is a way of uh, applying what you believe, to what you're looking at, and in some ways, perhaps even to have a value judgment about it. Uh, you know, some people might watch a certain kind of genre of film for a while and then go, uh, "I'm done. 
I, I don't need to watch that anymore. You know, they come to a moment of discernment, as it were. Um, other people, uh, you know, will continue watching things, and it doesn't really bother them that much. But it's bringing uh, your faith to bear on what you're looking at. So you, if you're going to look at this, it's going to be different than uh, if a Baptist was going to look at it, or if a Buddhist was going to look at it, or, uh, you know, if the Pope was going to look at it, or whatever. Because I hear that the Pope is Catholic. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, ostensibly, I, at, at least uh, in, in name only. Um, the uh, so so in reader response terms, that this is the the reader engages a text through a lens of of presuppositions and experiences, and so there's never just kind of like this blank reader that just takes in a text. There's always there's there's an active engagement with the text. Um, and that's yeah. There's, there's dialogue. A, you're asking questions. You're 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 drawing preliminary conclusions. You, you're so so. You and the text are engaging. You can't talk to the author, but you can you you are engaging the text. There's it's there's a lively action involved in reading. Exactly, and and this is where there's other kinds of criticism. So if if you know a whole bunch about the <laughs> about the author or about the filmmaker or something like that, like let's say you know that he's like an avowed atheist then that can play a part in your criticism of the film in that, you know, like how does he approach religion? You know, how does he approach Christianity if Christianity is part of the story? Is it with a certain disdain or is it just as the original source material presented it? Um, or did he scrub it out? Like if there was, it was based on an, a book or something and you know that there's Christian content in the book, but it's all scrubbed out. So for instance, lately there was uh, well, quite a while ago now, there was a 3D uh, computer version of Beowulf, but it scrubbed out all of the Christian elements of the story, which is quite a bit, actually. Uh, so, And that's a decision made by the filmmakers when they make the movie. So then that's a different kind of criticism uh, that doesn't really necessarily engage 100% with your, uh, with your own personal beliefs, per se. It's, it's not in the same category as reader response criticism you know that's a little bit like if you were to make a parallel with with scripture and i don't have a problem with with applying those same principles to the scriptures too that doesn't really i think um pull them out of their privileged status as as authoritative inspired text because you're still engaged in a conversation with the text and in fact um it's challenging your presuppositions and 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 perhaps even redefining them while while you're mm -hmm. going the only difference is that you know it's the word of god and so behind the author is is the author um but but there's still there's still that level going on but what you're saying here this is like isagogics you know where you're talking about the history of the text or text production or how did the text come to us and if you know a thing or two about that that too influences your reading and what you might draw from it absolutely yeah so if you did hey guys we're we're about uh, halfway through our about an hour program would, would this be a good place to take a break do we care I don't know. I just oh. wanted to play a song. So, oh, Mark Knopfler. Stick around. We'll be back. I love struck Romeo. Sing the streets of. Bye bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. Think it'll like? It would take a With a love song. Goodbye. Find the streetlight. Steps out of the shade. Says something like, You and me, babe. How about it? 
I'm enjoying the music. Do you know the premise behind this song? A little dire straits. Um, you know, I never really gave it much meditation. The or guy's working in an appliance store. And he's he's I remember the video. And he's yeah, and he's he's watching he's watching MTV on this bank of televisions, and he's he's hating his life because you know some guys making bazillion dollars just playing the guitar, and he's got to install microwave ovens. And custom kitchen deliveries. You know, that amazing. You think about uh, these guys that become rock stars, and a lot of times they simply became good musicians by being losers and never leaving the house. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's the garage band, you know, just kind of taken to the next level. I had a friend who was a, a, a phenomenal guitarist, and he became that way because he was a total loser, and he'd uh, sit in his house all day and snort cocaine and play his guitar until his fingers bled. And uh, but it made him a great, great guitarist. But uh, what a loser! Well, you know, <laughs> as the as the book Outliers points out, it's it's about putting in your ten thousand hours. Yes, and uh, you know, in a sense, they aren't losers because they they put their ten thousand hours in and they actually mastered something. And and you know, those of us who dabble in everything, we're just mediocre at everything we do. So at least I am. But that's the way that is i'm okay being a jack of many trades and an ace of none i'm not good with that <laughs> well you have to you have to embrace um you have to embrace mediocrity as kind of part of the part of the narrative that that you, you know you'll never do anything really great but you'll do a lot of things and hey look i'm, being a I'm B- comfortable student, you're above average that's that's all that i gotta say you know you're above average yeah it's good enough but that goes against your very fiber of being mine though, because Yes. No, I like to dominate. I, I just yes. basically you, when, when like when I was a student, when I went into a class, it was just it was basically just conquer. It was, you you find your identity in busting the curve and making everyone else miserable. Oh, the, there were people, there were people who dropped the class when I showed up. Jeez, <laughs> ah, swirless here. I'm out. <laughs> it was fun. I I, I, I did enjoy that. I, I was kind of an I I was kind of an academic playground bully. I have to kind of admit that I don't I don't feel real good about that today. I did <laughs> I did at the time though. 
Uh, hey, that that laugh is the voice of uh, Pastor Ted Geese. Ted Geese. I always thought it was Geezy, and now I find out it's Geese. It is. It's uh, both. It's, we, it's, that's what it is. It's both. It's, oh, that's it a lot like D'Onofrio, 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 whatever. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. So uh, should we uh, take care of some housekeeping? Ted, yeah, you Ted know what? We didn't us. do that on the front end. We, we really should. It's been a long uh, time since we went to the mailbag, so why don't we do that? The God Whispers Mailbag brought to you by Movies. We don't have sponsors anymore because Hey, you know what? what? I miss I miss the days of uh Gold Bond medicated powder trying to get them to sponsor us for the mailbag. That was a real moment. That Keep we, the mailbag dry. We didn't with, <laughs> We didn't even get a t shirt. They promised me a T-shirt. I, they promised I, I would have gladly worn a gold bond T-shirt, but we didn't even get a T-shirt. And that was kind of, hey, you know, while we're talking about nothing, and that's really what we do, um, I discovered, and I don't, I'd like to know if Ted knows about this, uh, I discovered a, a, a really good uh, show on Crackle. Uh, Driving in cars with comedians? Yeah. Yes. Comedians in cars getting coffee. That's it. With Seinfeld. This is great. He what he does is he borrows a car, sometimes it's a vintage classic car, sometimes it's a sports car. One time it was a pacer. It was a green pacer. Oh, yeah. yeah, every now and then he gets the total POS. It's yeah. amazing. Oh yeah. Well and he picked up who was his sidekick on the Seinfeld show, the, the bald guy, uh George Costanza. Oh, Costanza? Yeah. He picked up George in, in the pacer and it bro- and it broke down. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 this is a great show. It's it's it about it's a fun it show. runs about twenty five minutes. It's sponsored by Acura and and I, I watch it when I'm on the on the Nordic ski machine and it it's really really good. He had Obama on. He had President Obama. Are you serious? Yeah, and and he, he was good. He was really really good. He, he just he, he he did the whole thing just perfectly. But they couldn't get off ground. Secret Service wouldn't let them go. So they're in this car and it was a really nice sports car. And uh, and they're trying to get out the front gate of the White House and 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 Secret Service. No, you can't do that. And so they're just <laughs> they're just kind of doing laps of the the White House driveway in this car. <laughs> but it's a, it's a great show, and it's really it's it's conversationally about nothing. It, it they just it's just comedians talking about stuff, and and it's really really. So I think that's what we're trying to. It's better than what we do. But it's, so do you remember what kind of car he came with to pick up Obama? Oh, I wish I could. It, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a, uh, it was a vet. It was like a oh, okay. six, a sixty-three vet. I haven't seen that that uh, a stingray. Episode yet. I'm about five episodes behind, I think. So that's. I, I'm kind of randomly watching. Some don't work. Um, I wanted to watch yeah. the Tina Fey one, and it 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 never it it never for some reason it doesn't boot. Um, hmm. but but uh, hmm. uh, the one with uh, uh Julia. Louis Dreyfus, or however you say her name, Louis. Louis um, yeah, that one's really good. That that's that's a really really good episode. Well, and the one with Kramer also, I really. Enjoyed. I didn't see that. I, I haven't seen that one yet. Um, yeah, because it, well, they talk about his uh, meltdown that he had on stage there and uh, started dropping the in bombs and stuff. Oh, really? The, what Kramer did? The character? Yeah, yeah. He became persona non grata for uh, a couple, two, three years. No on, kidding. On the like comedy, ten, like ten years or something. Yeah, it's like a decade. Are you are you big Seinfeld fan, uh, Ted? Oh yeah, I watched Seinfeld quite a lot back when it was on. Absolutely. That's a, the, the, they, apparently they had a uh, they had a reunion kind of a thing happen on Curb Your Enthusiasm. There was an episode of that where the characters all oh they got the characters together. all reunited. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. 
it 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 really was it it, it the the show is kind of stuck in its time period. You know, it's hard to watch it today. You you have to kind of like it, it's ret it has a retro feel to it. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. But it's it's still genius. Uh, the, the Seinfeld in one of those uh, comedians in cars getting coffee. They, they I forgot who he was talking to, but um, he, they were talking about what their strengths were as as comics and and his his ability. And he's right. His ability is he notices things. Like the the real subtle details, like when he's talking to Julia Lewis Dreyfus, um, she she wraps the table at one point in a funny, uh, it's timed funny with what she's saying. So the event is slightly delayed from the verbal from the word, and he notices this exact point is when she wraps the table, and by noticing it, it's even funnier. <laughs> and 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 this is this is a real quirky gift that he's had. he picks up the really subtle weird things that you and I just overlook entirely. Indeed, it's kind of like art. <laughs> you know, I had the, Ted was talking about looking at movies as art, and and I think I think that may be very helpful. I'm going to try this with a movie, and and approach it because I I recently had um, is over Thanksgiving. I was up. Uh, in the Bay Area and uh, visiting my brother and his family. And, and the day after Thanksgiving, we always go somewhere. And we went to the DeYoung Museum at, in Golden Gate Park. It, it, the weather was so-so, and, and so we, uh, we, went, we so went to an art museum. And um, it was kind of the first time that I've walked in an art museum where I kind of got the point of being in an art museum. And and because uh, I've I've done it before, but I do it just to kind of be cultured or something. But I'm not a real art person, and and I started walking around. And I started getting it that you you look at art to look at things differently. That artists are like travelers that have gone somewhere and are now telling you what they saw because you don't see things this way. And and it's kind of like retraining your eye or or telling you, you getting you to look at something in a way you never looked at before. And, and so it's kind of cool. It's fun when that kind of comes together. You know, it's amazing in these places, uh, art museums and, and so forth. And I'll look at art and I'll, I'll immediately either be drawn into the picture and want to stare at it for a while or immediately say, yeah, don't like it and move on. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe it's just ADD or something. I'm not sure. But it, it's weird how I'll go to a museum with some people and they'll just sit there and stare at one picture for like, 45 minutes or before sit. they move on to the next one. They yeah. put benches there. You can just oh, kind of yeah. sit and, and, and like ponder it for... And there are some pictures that I'm, I'm just really drawn to that way, but then there are others where it's like, okay, someone took a canvas and just painted it red and they, they put it on the wall and said, this is art and there's really nothing to look at except a big red square. See, I don't, I don't do that. People will stare at it. I, I don't do that. <laughs> I, I asked two questions. I said, why did he do that? And why did they hang it here? Yeah, you know, there's got to be a reason why. That that's kind of the interesting thing. Kind of the goofier it is, the the more that why question sticks. Why why is this here? And I I assume I'm missing something. If you find yourself in New York City, make sure that you go to MoMA. Uh, that is a, a fabulous uh, art museum, <laughs> museum of modern art. That's, that's like our LACMA, I assume. I imagine. Uh, also, uh, the Met there is like really good too. So, my brother owned a knee brace company, and uh, they manufactured braces, and I'd fit them and that sort of thing. But they actually had one of their braces in MoMA for a while, which is interesting. 
Cool. That must have been a sight yeah. to see. Hey, to the to the the mailbag. Brad writes, "Dear Manly Doctors, recently, I decided to delete a daily scripture app from my phone, as I generally just ignored it, like the terrible person that I am." <laughs> Man. However, as I went to delete it, this verse from Ephesians five three to four in the ESV was on the screen, but. Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Question, how do we as Lutherans reconcile the second half of this verse? (laughs) Answer, we don't reconcile anything as Lutherans. Uh, We aren't exactly the most wholesome bunch. Hey, 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 hey. I I recon your program is, uh, I reckon... It says recon, but I think he means reckon. There's a K in reckon. Um, uh, is 83% foolish talk and crude joking. Tootsie Fruitsie comes to mind. Did you say that, Craig? Did you say Tootsie Fruitsie? Tootsie Fruitsie. Yeah. And I myself am comprised almost entirely of foolish talk and crude jokes. Please help me out with this verse as I realize that this is something that the fundagelicals would likely throw at me and I am ill-equipped to defend against. By the way, I hope the relocation is going well for Craig. Bill, I hope he mails you lots of cool foreign beers from mm. Brad. I have to pour some beer in an envelope for you. So, Ted, if I'm Ted, not, are, I want to hear from Ted, our guest. What do you, what do you think, Ted? Uh, foolish talk, crude joking, filthiness. They're out of place. Lutherans are quite earthy. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Uh, just read some of like Luther's... Uh, sermons and stuff sometimes you'll, Canadian uh, Lutherans are more polite spicy things in. yeah we tend to be a little more polite but I like maybe a little less uh, overtly polemic polemic is I, one maybe thing ironic maybe more you are ironic no that's true you're nice you're nice people even when you're not being nice you're nice um, but <laughs> but I've been to the gazebo Ted I've yes, been to the, the gazebo, gazebo. And you can't really say that it is without filthiness, foolish talk, or crude joking. No, that's not. Right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know. Are, are you forgiven or not? Hmm. Uh, should you want to live a more pure and decent life all the time? Yes. Does that look like uh, theosis or something? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> you know, like that's not, uh, you know, you're not going to get there as it were, not until the uh, resurrection on the last day. So for certain, um, there are going to be lots of situations where there are appropriate and inappropriate things to say, and you should side with the appropriate things, I would say. Wouldn't you? How's your language at the your, your mom's dinner table? Yeah. Mom, mom, mom was a stickler about these things. Mom, mom does not like. In fact, I, I've been trying to clean it up at home because my my wife has tender ears too. She she grew up with in a very pious household of devout Lutheran Mennonite. You know, her her mom's side of the family is Mennonite, and she's just not used to the uh, Chicago bad boy stuff. That so I've been trying to trying to. It's, it's not it's not edifying at home. I think. Where, where was that Ephesians five? Uh, five, three, and four. Three and four. Can't get okay. around that one. That's that's the verse that gets kicked up all the time on Facebook when somebody's, you know, making fun of F-bomb kind of things and that sort of stuff. Hey, here's what I wrote, Brad. See what you guys think. I Because uh, I wrote him back. Um, but I when I wrote it, my, my 
pastor instincts came on. You guys ever? You guys had that 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 thing? You know, you know how you go pastor on people even when you don't mean oh, yeah. to. You know, but so but here's what I did. I, I said this. I said, Brad, we're neither proud of our filthy and foolish talk or our crude joking, nor do we fret overly much about them. We recognize it's old Adam screaming for attention and sinning boldly. Sometimes you have to slap the old brat. Sometimes it's best just to ignore him. Thanks for listening. <laughs> That's kind of there that you past, you know that pastoral <clears throat> non-answer. It's a semal answer, really. You know, if somebody's totally comfortable in their crudeness, they wouldn't write. They, they to, wouldn't write the letter. They, yeah, they need to get called on it. Yeah, but if they're like fretting about the whole thing, like overly so then maybe they need to be directed to the cross and their forgiveness. You know, that's that's it. That's that's it, Ted. Exactly. That's that tension, isn't it? You know, if you don't care, you ought to, you know. Yeah. If if you're if you're like like caring to the point where you're writing guys you don't know emails about this and what do I do with this? <laughs> it's like, you know, maybe you just like ought to you know, first of all, recognize what it is, old Adam, just just your inner brat. Actually, it's your outer brat. And don't give him too much attention because he feeds on attention. He loves attention. You know, so, I'm I'm looking at this in the Greek and the the moral. Oh yeah, when when, when you want to <laughs> when you want to duck out of something. No, go to the I'm, Greek. I'm just curious because I did remember that it was the pornea in verse three there, but the the foolish talking is uh, morologia. It, it, I I think that that's like moron talk, isn't it? Yeah, simpleton kind of. I, I think that that works pretty well for this program. Maybe we should just just rename the God Whispers to Morologia. <laughs> Morologia, yeah, that would be that would be like well, it's just like sophomore, you know, means wise fool or you know, right. smart idiot, which which is very appropriate for a second year anything. Um, you get people accidentally signing up for it, thinking that they're signing up for Logia. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, this is Morologia. All right. Um. Yeah, I, I think I think Ted Ted, you know, hit that seamal balance. And, and really, that's you're all I think you're always doing that as a pastor anyway. So when I say you put my pastor hat on, it's it's a natural because what you sense is somebody who's worried about this. And when somebody is worried about their sin, you don't like keep rubbing the law in their face. <laughs> they, you know, that's their problem when somebody's not worried about it. That's a problem too, and I think that's that proper distinction of the law and the gospel in in play there. Uh, and the the ironic thing is, you can clean up your language and elevate it to the highest of heights, and old Adam will be proud of how cultured and sophisticated and educated and virtuous you are. You know, but I I think one of the other things here though is there are those who are concerned about everyone else's sins much more than their own, and I, I'm not saying that Brad's. You know, on that. Well, tag. he's he's worried about his own. I yeah, mean, you know, he but, he's he's taking the chief of sinners approach, which is a good place to be. Right. I, I, but you, you can't but go I, wrong there. I run into the other end also, and I probably fall prey to it also. But it, it's easy to look at other people's sins to deflect you from looking at your own. Well, yeah, and, and mm. kind of. Well, at least I'm not like like. At least I'm not like D'Onofrio. That that's the pharisaical. Uh, that's the pa know. pastor. I know somebody who really needed to hear that sermon. And as my a, wife yeah. is outside the door trying to make Rufus bark right now. I yeah, can tell. See, there's the old like, <laughs> Rufus. Well, you know, it's like that famous that famous phrase from Luther: "The sin boldly." You know, which which comes from a letter of pastoral counsel. 
uh, written to Melanchthon, who, if anybody had, a, a, you know, just an overly tender conscience and was constantly troubled by, by his sin in the law, it was Melanchthon. And, and so this is Luther basically with that counsel to somebody who doesn't need to, to hear more law. He needs to believe the gospel. You know, so that's the sin boldly and yet trust Christ more boldly. Um, you know, and, and so that's that's don't don't feed the religious old Adam with your contritionism because he can play that game, too. And I let the producer in the room. <laughs> oh, Rufus, the producer. I hear him. Say hi, Rufus. I hear him. Speak. Speak. He Rufus. Yeah. Speak. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's like, nah, I don't want to. So, so that's that's our man, Brad. Uh, don't don't encourage that old Adam one way or the other. That works for me. Do we have anything else in the mailbag? Let's see. We have. A, I I know I got a fan letter there. Our composer is a while back. Oh, oh, you want the you want your fan letter? Well, I, yeah, I got I, I got your fan letter. Let's let's see. Uh, oh, how about yes? You you want the Hitler one? Yeah, the Hitler one. Yeah, Kinsley. The short story is this, for now at least, for reasons which I'd rather not share here and aware of uh, the bear I'm poking. I'm not Lutheran, at least not on the outside. However, in the fundagelical circles, but they've all adopted that term, Craig, fundagelical circles I've been engaged with over the past several years. I've occasionally expressed my hope that Adolf Hitler is in heaven. This is kind of, this is the Lutheran version of the Godwin fallacy, I think. The Adolf Hitler is in heaven. This, of course, has been heretofore met with no small amount of consternation. So, having only about three to four months of exposure to the GW, that's us, God whispers, and because of reasons still unshared, I've been enjoying binge listening to the episodes from the beginning. I know, I've heard the warning. Don't do it. You guys are the nearest thing I have to some robust Christians I can share a beer and some good laughter with at the moment. Man, I worry about people like this. I listened to 180, you know, I saw this first. I listened to 187 this morning. No, episode 187. Craig, (laughs) you said exactly this. I hope Adolf Hitler is in heaven. It nearly caused me to drive off the road. (laughs) Oh, and he was driving while he was doing this. There are laws. That's dangerous. Yes. I screamed at the radio and proceeded to weep for joy the rest of my drive to work. Man, I'm glad you didn't have an accident or we'd be calling lawyers. I finally have found some men whose Jesus is that good. Craig, keep it up. Pastor Swirl, I know you never checks the mailbag. Please pass it on somehow. <laughs> I thank God for both of you. Kinsley, yeah, so I did pass that on. So you have a fan. Yes. The 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 Hitler in heaven thing. Now I did Boy, that can clear, go that can go that can go wrong in a couple of I ways. I didn't yeah. say he is. In I believe heaven. Hitler is in heaven. Right. No, you can't say that. But I did say I hope that he's in heaven because, uh, like, like Kinsley said, the, our our Jesus is just that good. He's he's you know if if someone like Bill Swirla could get into heaven, I think Adolf <laughs> Hitler's got a fair chance. Yeah, yeah, I can sleep at night at that point. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's right. I mean, we, we if 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 we don't get into heaven because it we and I, I hate that term getting into heaven but you know what i mean it's shorthand for you know if we're not saved by being good um then it also follows that we are not damned by being bad you know hitler is a bad man hitler did bad things uh, there's all kinds of bad about hitler hitler has a whole fallacy named after him. that's how bad he was but as I understand, he was baptized in the Roman Catholic Church, so, <laughs> well, so the, 
the gift was extended. You yeah. can't say that it wasn't extended. But <laughs> so there's a there's Second Peter, right? Second Peter we'll three nine. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Yep. 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 Yeah, or Paul's, you know, or Paul's trustworthy saying that 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 uh, God would have all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, that even caused Luther to stumble. Um, he he wouldn't translate that saved as saved. He he translated it as as helped, and it was Melanchthon that insisted, "No, it's saved. That God's will is that all be saved." So it follows that if you aren't saved, it's against God's will. <laughs> You know, put that in your Calvinist pipe and smoke it. But so anyway, you have you have um, encouraged, heartened Kinsley. After all these years, you finally know. somebody has heard. But you me. you do admit that that it, you you use the 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 Hitler example is used for its shock and awe value. It, it is, but it's also used to kind of purge us of the notions that you were talking about that. Well, I didn't exterminate, you know, six million Jews. Therefore, I deserve to go to heaven. Right. You know, it, or, or, or something as, like that. As Robert Capon used to say, you know, Christ isn't the savior only of the salvageable, or right. the, or the redeemer of the redeemable. He he's the redeemer of the irredeemable and the unsalvageable. And interestingly, interestingly, this kind of works us back in to the Prince's Bride. Actually, nice. Oh. Well done. Well oh. done. <laughs> so there, there's as you wish. <laughs> as you wish. There's this clip that we have that we could use that uh, is from the point where Wesley, the you know the uh, protagonist, the Dread Pirate Roberts, is uh, seems as though he's dead, right? And uh, I don't know. Do, do do you have that queued up? Not, not the pit of despair. Not the pit of despair. I when love the pit Maxes. of despair. That's okay, a voters wait. meeting. That's a voters uh, meeting right now. Pit of despair. <laughs> Uh, you keep using that merit. Okay, let's see. Is this the one? Sir? Yeah. Sir? Huh? We're in a terrible rush. Is this the one? rush me, Sonny. Yeah. You rush a miracle, man. You get right miracles. You got money? 65. <laughs> I never worked for so little, except once, and that was a very noble cause. This is noble, sir. His wife is crippled. Children are on the brink of starvation. Now you a rotten liar. I need him to help avenge my father. Murdered these 20 years. Your first story was better. Where's that bellows cram? He probably owes you money, huh? Well, I'll ask him. He's dead. He can't talk. Look who knows so much, huh? Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead, he's slightly alive. Now, all dead, well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. What's that? Go through his clothes and look for loose change. (laughs) Hey! Hello in there! Hey, what's so important? What you got here that's worth living for? True love. True love. You heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Yes, honey. True love is the greatest thing in the world. 
Except for a nice MLT, a mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes are ripe. They're so perky. I love that. But that's not what he said. He distinctly said to blave. And as we all know, to blave means to bluff. Huh? So you're probably playing cards and he cheated. Liar! 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 Get back, witch! I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! <laughs> but after what you just said, I'm not even sure I want to be dead anymore! You never had it so good. To love. He said to love, Max. Don't say My another God. word, Valerie! There you go. <laughs> Do you ever get the impression so, that that uh, that Billy Crystal is not on script in most of this stuff? <laughs> I think so. But there's that idea, like the idea that uh, maybe Hitler is completely dead, but I'm not as bad as Hitler, right? So maybe I'm slightly alive, right? And that that kind of gets into that semi-Pelagian kind of like there's something we can bring to the table. Oh, there you kind go. Of aspect. There you go. Right. So we're but not really, we're actually, not quite dead in our trespasses and sin, just mostly dead. Mostly, mostly, dead. mostly. Yeah. But actually, in reality, we're completely dead. We're as dead in our trespasses as Hitler is in his, and as much in need of being saved as Hitler would is in need of being saved. Also. Oh, nice. Right. Done. That that's that's the kind of thing. Yeah. So and and that 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 uh, you know that that thing worth living for. See, that's the virtuous thing. Yes, yeah. yeah. And and the, so the noble cause. The noble cause. That that's right. And and so that little bit of good, that little spark of goodness in us that should endear us to God. Um and, and that's that's the whole the, the that's the whole uh the way of scholasticism, wasn't it? The the uh the via moderna yeah. was was and you, of course the, the truth is that love is a one way street. <laughs> it it's it's running from God to us. And uh, only because of that do we love others. Uh, that that's that's the way that's the way of it. Which we get in this Sunday's epistle on the love chapter of First Corinthians, right? That's mm-hmm. that's that is a one way street. It's also not a feeling, but an act of will. Yeah, this is most so, certainly true. The other kind of interesting thing with all that is uh, within the context of that Princess Bride movie is that. Uh, this is his, uh, in a sense, his death and resurrection moment. So if he's like a Christ kind of character, this uh, Wesley, uh, he's he's seeking his true love, his bride, who is the the prince's bride. So this is the bride that he seeks, Buttercup. Uh, and, and there's something maybe bigger going on with that that's kind of interesting, uh, in that uh, if you want to look at thematic things in a movie, perhaps you can look at that as being uh, you've got the bride who maybe is like the church and there's some question along the way as to uh, her faithfulness, but not necessarily to the faithfulness of the one who's seeking her out. So uh, and this uh, Wesley uh, goes through death in order to rescue her from a false uh, bridegroom who wants nothing but her death. Hey, I, so I'm good. Kind of interesting. I'm good with that, except except I'm stuck on the nickname of the church as Buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> hey guys, we're uh, we're right around the hour mark, and I have to go get my brujol in the oven for today. Whoa, 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 whoa! Yes, it's brujol night. I, I'm 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 glad we're no longer on KFUO, so that he can say things like that. Yes, I gotta go. Man, go we've, get my meat in the oven. If you, you know what you'd I mean. be in the synodical office, the the big office. <laughs> For having said what you just said, but uh, yeah, this is podcasting. There are no rules. 
That's so right. you can put your Bajol in the oven. That's right. And if you don't know what Bajol is, go ahead and Google it. It's safe. Wow. Except you'll never be able to spell it right. Hey, this is, it's, you know. It's not spelled anything we, like it's We spelled. ought to do something, Craig. We ought to do something like Seinfeld. And we ought to do it, it like pastors in cars getting beer or, or something like that. Mm. Well, drinking and driving thing you might want to rethink. But generally, the whole, uh, you know, beer thing would be great. Maybe uh, pastors at a pub or something. Pastors in pubs getting beers. Pastors in Prague drinking beer. How's that one? Pastors. Mm. Wow. Okay, well, have, let's so work on it. Come visit. There. It's in development. Stay tuned. Field trip. <laughs> well, all right. It's that time. Hey, thanks for being with us, Ted. Hey, thanks for having me. William, move your head. Look at the size of that boy's head. I'm not kidding. It's like an orange on a toothpick. You're going to give the boy a complex. Oh, that's a huge noggin. That's a virtual planetoid. Has its own weather system. Heat. Move! You're in my pocket. Oh, Billy. You are a sad, strange little man.